I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Jeremiah chapters 10 through 13. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 10, we have what some people see as a Christmas tree, but no, it's not a Christmas tree. Let's read verse 1. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree, and they cannot speak. They must be carried, because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. Inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, you are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your rightful due. For among all the wise men of nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether dull-hearted and foolish. A wooden idol is a worthless doctrine. Silver is beaten into plates. It is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz. The work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the metalsmith, blue and purple, are their clothing. They are all the work of skillful men, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation." Thus you shall say to them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at his discretion. When he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by an image, for his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are futile, a work of errors. In the time of their punishment they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the maker of all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Gather up your wares from the land, O inhabitant of the fortress." For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will throw out at this time the inhabitants of the land, and will distress them, that they may find it so. Woe is me for my hurt, my wound is severe, but I say, Truly this is an infirmity, and I must bear it. My tent is plundered, and all my cords are broken. My children have gone from me, and they are no more. There is no one to pitch my tent any more, or set up my curtains, for the shepherds have become dull-hearted." And have not sought the Lord, therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Behold, the noise of the report has come, and a great commotion out of the north country, to make the cities of Judah desolate, a den of jackals. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. O Lord, correct me, but with justice. 
not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. Pour out your fury on the Gentiles who do not know you, and on the families who do not call on your name. For they have eaten of Jacob, devoured him, and consumed him, and made his dwelling place desolate. Well, there you have it, idol worship. And that's the big sin of Judah. That's the one that Jeremiah has devoted so much time to in the preceding chapters. It's idol worship and reverence toward the false gods that they represent. Now, you may have had people approach you with their special rendition of verses 2 through 5 here, and they were proclaiming that Jeremiah was describing Christmas trees. Therefore, they conclude that Christmas trees are a form of idol worship, according to Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 2 through 5. Now, if you've been reading closely, you've seen that what they were doing was something completely different. The inhabitants of Israel and Judah had jumped wholeheartedly into the worship of false gods represented by those wooden idols. These are God-forsaking people being described here, people who are erecting idols of wood for the express purpose of worshiping the false gods that those idols represent. Christmas decorations simply don't rise to this level. This chapter does deal with the people and the idols that they make, and also the rejection from God along with the destruction that follows. In Isaiah chapter 44, verses 10 through 14, we see additional detail on the process of creating these man-made idols used by these Jews for worship. Jeremiah begins in verse 2 with this admonition to Judah. He says, Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. In verse 11, Jeremiah proclaims that these false gods will perish from the earth. Why do they do it? Well, verse 14 says it's because of ignorance. Interestingly enough, out of the whole book of Jeremiah, only verse 11 is written in Aramaic instead of Hebrew. It appears that Jeremiah intends to capture the exact words that would be spoken to the heathen nations who embrace these false gods, and so those words are written in Aramaic. It was the common language of the Assyrian Empire and was used in both the Babylonian and Persian empires that followed as a diplomatic and commercial language. There are only a handful of verses in the Old Testament that are actually written in Aramaic. Uh, those are to be found in Ezra chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, down through chapter 6, verse 18. And then Ezra chapter 7, beginning with verse 12, down through verse 26. And then one verse in Jeremiah right here in this chapter, Jeremiah ten eleven, And then finally in Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, down through chapter 7, verse 28. Those chapters were written in Aramaic. And then it says in verse 21, their shepherds are ignorant too. So what's to be the result of Judah's embracing all of those pagan idols? Well, there's the punishment in verse 18. It says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will throw out this time the inhabitants of the land and will distress them that they may find it so. Judah is to be exiled from the land. Now we're talking exile here. There were two major invasions by the Babylonians of the Palestine area prior to the final fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. The first was the one in which Daniel was taken in 605 B.C. The second one was in 597 B.C. when King Jehoiakim, the son of, of uh, Jehoiakim, surrendered to the Babylonians and was deported along with all the other influential people in Jerusalem and Judah. Because of a Jewish uprising against Babylon, Jerusalem was finally shut down completely by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., and even more people were exiled over into Babylon. 
The reference in verse 22 to the great commotion out of the north country speaks of the approaching Babylonian army. As stated in several other passages, Assyria and Babylon always approached from the north due to the mountain range that was due east of Israel. In verses 23 to 25, Jeremiah makes a plea to God that the enemies of Judah will not succeed in causing God's people to cease to exist. Jeremiah calls upon God to destroy them before this can take place. In fact, the Babylonian Empire did come to an end shortly thereafter. Their king Nebuchadnezzar was punished with insanity, recorded in Daniel chapter 4, and then his grandson Belshazzar was slain in his revelry in Daniel chapter 5, and the empire was conquered by the Medo-Persians in 539 B.C. If you want to know more about that, look at the introduction to the book of Ezra. In Jeremiah chapter 11, we have a call to just kill the prophet. Chapter 11, verse 1, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and do according to all that I command you, so you shall be my people, and I will be your God, that I may establish the oath which I have sworn to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. And I answered and said, So be it, Lord. Then the Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I earnestly exhorted your fathers in the day I brought them up out of the land of Egypt until this day, rising early and exhorting, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but which they have not done. And the Lord said to me, A conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words, and they have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will surely bring calamity on them, which they will not be able to escape. And though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they offer incense, but they will not save them at all in the time of their trouble." For according to the number of your cities were your gods, O Judah, and according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem you have set up altars to the shameful thing, altars to burn incense to Baal. So do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in that time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. What has my beloved to do in my house, having done lewd deeds with many, and the holy flesh has passed from you? When you do evil, then you rejoice. The Lord called your name, green olive tree, lovely and of good fruit. With the noise of a great tumult, he has kindled fire on it, and its branches are broken. For the Lord of hosts who planted you has pronounced doom against you for the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense to Baal. Now the Lord gave me knowledge of it, and I know it. 
For you have showed me their doings, but I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have revealed my cause. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. And there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring catastrophe on the men of Anathoth, even the year of their punishment." Jeremiah's prophecy in this chapter points out the similarity of these inhabitants of Jerusalem and Judah with their forefathers. They were both bent on rejecting the one true God. Their continual worship of Baal had crossed the line. Jeremiah is told not even to pray for them. They are going to fall into destruction for their wickedness. As a matter of fact, look at the strong words in verses 2 and 3 when it says, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant. Now, a curse is pronounced on those who resist God. Well, where's the kindness and gentleness in that? Modern-day religionists would have had a field day with Jeremiah's lack of political correctness there. As a matter of fact, uh, Jeremiah suggests, let's let history speak. What happened to your ancestors when they rejected the covenant of God? Well, notice verse 8. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but which they have not done. These covenant provisions referenced here are found numerous places, but here are just three of them. Leviticus 18.28 says this, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Now listen to two chapters later, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22. It says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 27 through 29, listen to this one. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against this land to bring on it every curse that is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger, in wrath, and in great indignation, and cast them into another land as it is this day. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So what is Jeremiah to do with his fellow Jews? Pray for them? No, the line had been crossed. See what God says in verse 14 when he says, So do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry, or prayer for them. For I will not hear them the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. Well, there's a lesson for believers today. Don't pray for the prosperity of those who rebel against God. I know that sounds a little politically incorrect, but I don't make the news, I just report it. Then in verses 18 to 23, we see a plot by the men of Anathoth. That was a small Jewish town just north of Jerusalem. A plot to silence Jeremiah by, well, killing him, taking his life. The result is Jeremiah lives, and the townspeople who sought to kill him 
they'll die. Ooh, that's a tough decree right there. What's worse, this is Jeremiah's own hometown. You know what they say, playing before a hometown crowd is tough. We aren't given any of the details regarding the result of this decree. We do know from Ezra chapter 2, verse 23, that it did not include all the men of Anathoth because exiles did return to Judah from that city at the time of the returning exiles in 535 B.C. Then Jeremiah in chapter 12 seems to get a little impatient. Verse 1, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, yes, they have taken root. They grow, yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. But you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me, and you have tested my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn, and the herbs of every field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there, because they said, He will not see our final end. Well, imagine Jeremiah's frustration. He prophesies to his God-rejecting, pagan-acting people, the Jews. He tells them that they're going to meet their destruction at the hand of God because of their wickedness. But day after day, year after year, they go on prospering. Jeremiah complains that they don't even seem to believe him anymore in verse 4, suggesting that Jeremiah himself will perhaps be gone even before they are. Well, got some bad news for you, Jeremiah. It will get worse before it gets better, and that's in verses 5 through 13 of chapter 12. Verse 5, If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. Do not believe them. Even though they speak smooth words to you, I have forsaken my house. I have left my heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. My heritage is to me like a lion in the forest. It cries out against me. Therefore I have hated it. My heritage is to me like a speckled vulture. The vultures all around are against her. Come, assemble all the beasts of the field. Bring them to devour. Many rulers have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it desolate. Desolate it mourns to me. The whole land is made desolate because no one takes it to heart. The plunderers have come on all the desolate heights in the wilderness, for the sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land to the other end of the land. No flesh shall have peace. They have sown wheat, but reap thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but do not profit. But be ashamed of your harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Well, after Jeremiah expresses his frustration in verses 1 through 4, God breaks the news to him. Jeremiah's own family is going to turn on him. That's in verse 6. Boy, that hurts. Nonetheless, their destruction is coming. Just not on Jeremiah's timetable. Incidentally, the rulers of verse 10 aren't good guys. They're not even Jews. The Hebrew word there means rulers or shepherds. In this case, enemy foreign rulers who have ransacked Judah's land. They're called plunderers in verse 12. And then we see destruction and restoration in verses 14 through 17. 
Jeremiah twelve fourteen. Thus says the Lord, Against all my evil neighbors who touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit, behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. Then it shall be, after I have plucked them out, that I will return and have compassion on them, and bring them back every one to his heritage and every one to his land. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name, as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord." Well, in this passage, destruction is prophesied at the hands of the Babylonians for Israel's neighbors as well. But then we see a promise of restoration not only to Israel, but to those nations. When it says, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name. If not, then total destruction. We see it in verse 17. How about a visual aid? And we have that visual aid in Jeremiah chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Thus the Lord said to me, Go and get yourself a linen sash and put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. So I got a sash according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, Take the sash that you acquired, which is around your waist, and arise, go to the Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole in the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. Now it came to pass after many days that the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates, and take from there the sash which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the sash from the place where I had hidden it, and there was the sash ruined. It was profitable for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, In this manner I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This people who refused to hear my words, who followed the dictates of their hearts and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be just like this sash, which is profitable for nothing. For as the sash clings to the waist of man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory, but they would not hear." Well, this passage is a little more interesting than you may think. Jeremiah is called upon to buy this linen loincloth and hide it in the Euphrates River. Hey, now, that's four to five hundred miles away from Jerusalem. Many, many days of travel by foot. So the lesson is Judah will rot just like the loincloth. Now, it's widely held that Euphrates, Perot in Hebrew there, is not really talking about the river, but a city nearby with the same Hebrew spelling. Consider the journey by foot that Jeremiah made twice. It does make more sense if there were a nearby city named Parat. Uh, Some scholars have maintained that this was the original name of Bethlehem, while others believe that he was speaking of the town of Pera. That's about three miles from his hometown of Anathoth. It is worth noting that usually the Euphrates River is rendered the River Euphrates in the Old Testament and not simply Euphrates. And then in chapter 13, beginning with verse 12, Jeremiah prophesies that exile is in your future. Verse 12, Therefore you shall speak to them this word, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Every bottle shall be filled with wine, and they will say to you, Do we certainly know that every bottle will be filled with wine? 
Then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of this land, even the kings who sit on David's throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, with drunkenness. And I will dash them one against another, even the fathers and the sons together, says the Lord. I will not pity, nor spare, nor have mercy, but will destroy them. Hear and give ear, do not be proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he causes darkness, and before your feet stumble on the dark mountains. And while you are looking for light, he turns it into the shadow of death and makes it dense darkness. But if he will not hear it, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Say to the king and to the queen mother, Humble yourselves, sit down, for your rule shall collapse. The crown of your glory, the cities of the south, shall be shut up, and no one shall open them. Judah shall be carried away captive, all of it. It shall be wholly carried away captive. Lift up your eyes and see those who come from the north. Where is the flock that was given to you, your beautiful sheep? What will you say when he punishes you? For you have taught them to be chieftains, to be head over you. Will not pangs seize you like a woman in labor? And if you say in your heart, Why have these things come upon me? For the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered, your heels made bare. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. Therefore I will scatter them like stubble that passes away by the wind of the wilderness. This is your lot, the portion of your measures from me, says the Lord. Because you have forsaken me and trusted in falsehood, therefore I will uncover your skirts over your face, that your shame may appear. I have seen your adulteries and your lustful names, the lewdness of your harlotry, your abominations on the hills and the fields. Woe to you, O Jerusalem! Will you still not be made clean? Well, it's not a popular message that this, Jerusalem, will fall into exile. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. He says, Then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of this land, even the kings who sit on David's throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. And I will dash them one against another, even the fathers and the sons together, says the Lord. I will not pity nor spare nor have mercy, but will destroy them. But wait, here's yet another plea from Jeremiah for Judah to repent and to avoid the wrath of God in verses 15 and 16. But will they listen? No, they won't listen. Jeremiah says as much in the remainder of this chapter. There's some specifically directed bad news in verses 18 and 19. Here it is. It says, Say to the king and to the queen mother, Humble yourselves, sit down, for your rule shall collapse the crown of your glory. The cities of the south shall be shut up, and no one shall open them. Judah shall be carried away captive, all of it. It shall be wholly carried away captive. Now that's a reference to Judah's king, uh, 18-year-old Jehoiakim, and his mother, they were taken captive into Babylon, and that's recorded in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 2, and Second Kings chapter 24, verses 1 through 16. And then notice verse 27. It says, I have seen your adulteries and your lustful names, the lewdness of your harlotry, your abominations on the hills and the fields. Woe to you, O Jerusalem! Will you still not be made clean? Israel's fascination with false gods is frequently referred to by the prophets as spiritual adultery or harlotry. 
and that's the context in which it's used right here. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.